Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. This is John Burke. With me this week is Corey Starr. I'm back. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Skin that smoke wagon, see what happens. I don't know what that's a reference to, except I think it was on your Instagram. <laughs> it was. And that's why you should follow oh. me closely. Oh, I always follow you closely. In fact, I'm behind you right now. But, oh my gosh, this just reached uh, a whole new level of creepy. Well, I guess I'm done for the evening, y'all. Good night. And Mike's out. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. I'll keep you appraised on what he's doing. But in the meantime... Um, <laughs> right now, I'm glad um, I live in Idaho. <laughs> I am not your personal meat puppet, sir. Uh, you are what I thought you were My what um anyways um, this is not gonna go anywhere good i don't think so, so our, <laughs> our topic for this week whoa I don't, oh. I don't know what that was like I I'm kidding. keeping it real gate is all about that <laughs> so as i was about to say before uh rap music interrupted me um our topic this week are movies that we think need to be rebooted in honor of the newly rebooted Spider-Man franchise um, that comes out on July 7th, which is Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, now, before we get going, uh, this is a hypothetical show. We, this is one of the ones that can be a lot of fun or can be super challenging as we don't have any... Um, this is strictly on our ideas of what we think would be good. Obviously, this is a controversial topic. There are plenty of people who think nothing should be rebooted, and once it's done, it's done. Make something new. Um what are your guys' feelings about reboots in general? Uh, let's start, Corey or Mike, whoever wants to go first. What are your thoughts on reboots? In um, this was tough because mostly they're unnecessary. Mostly. Just like aliens, they mostly come out at night. <laughs> and so I don't know that they're always needed. And the other tough part is because we limited. The other part of the, the criteria was not including, um, oops, sorry about that. Not including TV adaptations because that's been the trend now for a while now. And I mean, we we had a uh, topic where we did top five movies, uh, TV shows that should be made into movies. That's true. That's true. Which could technically be um, a uh, you know a similar topic in essence, although um, not necessarily and. I don't. I don't think I meant to limit that um, when I limited it, but you know, I went with. No, it it's I, probably best best that we did that then. But um, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, because there's a lot of people don't understand the difference between a remake and a reboot. Um, which actually, before I do that, Corey, were you gonna add anything about your idea of reboots? Um, I think that we have kind of talked about this many times before i think also i'm with mike a lot of these don't necessarily need to be redone and i do kind of agree with uh for the most part moving on to something new but there are times where i think that um a story can benefit from like a new set of eyes or somebody fresh coming in that maybe has a better idea about you know direction um but i think that hollywood is just doing that now so often because they have run out of ideas so well writers where you at 
I don't definitely. I don't think the ideas are gone. I think Hollywood's afraid of new ideas. Um, Word like cashing in, maybe. Yeah, there's there are tons of scripts that are um, not produced every year because they don't feel like there's a, a built-in audience, or they're worried about you know selling tickets. And then you have studios like A24 that take those chances, um, and you have like movies like They Come at Night, which um, didn't make a lot of money. It made I think 16 million opening weekend or something along those lines. But it didn't cost but a million, so it made money. Okay, I was gonna say off of the what budget, and that's, well, exactly. that's a good return. That's a great return. It is, but Hollywood's looking at the the big number. They want the billion dollar box office. They <laughs> want the seven hundred million, and that's where you get these big franchises and these ten poles. And that's why um, we have so many now. Before we get too much farther, I do want to define reboot versus remake. Um, we're gonna focus. We're using uh, script film uh, script firm, I believe, is the website. Um, and I'm going to read their definition of reboot. Reboot indicates a com- uh, complete overhaul of the source material, a reimagining, reconceptualiz- uh, reconceptualization into a franchise. The new material may be a vastly different from the original material that uh, that only the title remains. A, re- a reboot may maintain some or all of the character names, plot elements, themes, setting, and storylines, but a reboot is basically starting from scratch. Now, in my research of, like, I was looking for other, like, reboot things and whatnot, um, I came across a few articles that indicated that Christopher Nolan coined the term reboot when he did the Batman oh. franchise. Um, not to say that there weren't some before that, but the actual use of the word reboot was apparently his word. Um, now, that's just from a few articles. Obviously, there could be people who debate that. But I found it interesting um, because when I think reboots, Batman Begins is definitely one of the more successful ones. Um, it rebooted the the end of the Joel Schumacher era of Batman and Robin and Batman Forever and took a very different approach with a very familiar character. And since then, we've had several reboots. Um, you guys, can you think of any off the top of your head that have that maybe you like or that you uh, maybe didn't like even? Well, first one that comes to mind that I despised and I think everyone did was um, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. attempt yeah and it really tried and it really was serious and jackie earl haley is fantastic uh, uh he's been in the business since at what at least the bad news bears time so let's say the oh, wow. 70s so it's not not a, yeah he's been around and um just there's everything was wrong about it i, I would say the same for friday the 13th I, what i'm gonna oh, jump in really I can say yeah. one that I think was a winner, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. But at the time, it was good, and I need to revisit it probably. But I thought that Halloween H2O was good. Like, I don't want to go on a limb and say great, because like I said, it's been a long time. But I felt like at the time, uh, it had quite, you know, gathered quite a, uh, you know, audience, I guess. Is that How is that a reboot versus just a, another sequel? I didn't realize that. Oh! Nope, you're you're fine. You're right. Yep. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, see, and I, <laughs> I'm sorry. And like, I had a really hard time with this list, um, because I did read the things that you guys sent me, but I think that there was a blurring of the lines between reboot and remakes, even in the two things that you guys sent me. I think the 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 article that Mike found from um, Smosh was a little yeah. harder to differentiate um, with their definitions. They were a little. Uh, I thought fast and loose with their reboot definition. Um, they were basically just like a, a reboot is anything that's not remake implies that you're using the same script and you're redoing the film. And, um, mm-hmm. Which 
we all know, like, 1998, was it? Psychos, like a shot-for-shot yeah. remake. Yeah, but that goes I, a step beyond because it goes shot for shot. Like, it's a, a true recreation of the original in a way that doesn't work. Um, but there's other uh, examples of similar scripts or almost identical scripts being redone, gone in 60 seconds. It's not 100% exactly the same, but it's very, very close to a remake of the 70s version. Um, you know, it's re- it's different because you have different actors and you have different directors, so the vision's different. It's I think the modern Gone in 60 Seconds is done as a more of a comedic approach to the movie because it's Nicolas Cage and he's wild and crazy. Um, but reboots are essentially using the name and then doing something different with it. Um, and Batman is a, gr- a prime example of that. I'm actually going to list a few other reboots real quick. I've, I've done some... Pull- uh, the comic book franchise universe is the biggest right now with fr- with reboots. We have Spider-Man been reboot now. This is the second reboot of the Spider-Man franchise. And that's if you don't count the 70s TV movie. Um... And now they all have Peter Parker. They all have the basic premise of him getting bit by a radioactive or some type of super spider that turns him into spider-like powers. Now, there's been differences, right? Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man had uh, organic webbing. Amazing Spider-Man went for the traditional web shooters that he kind of designed himself. And now the new one, from what we can gather, the web shooters are Tony Stark's creation. Um, And that's new completely from even the, the source material, right? And we have the Batman franchise, as I already mentioned. Um, we have the Fantastic... In fact, Batman has been rebooted twice now because we had the, the Nolan-verse, and now we have the Snyder-verse. Not nearly as good. Fantastic Four was rebooted and failed miserably, and so there's talk of another reboot happening with that. No. Ugh. Hopefully not. Um, X-Men did something very different. They did a soft reboot where it didn't re... They didn't erase what happened in the sense that... They acknowledge those movies, the first three movies still exist, but they erased it via time travel, which they borrowed from Star Trek. Um, The J.J. Abrams Star Trek was a soft reboot of the Star Trek movies as it erased the other movies but didn't because those happened on an alternate timeline. Same thing with the X-Men franchise. Um, Then Jurassic World is an interesting reboot because it didn't reboot the first movie. The first movie happened, but the second and third movies have not in the Jurassic World universe. And so it basically pretended as Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 never occurred and we're just picking up a few years after the first movie. Um, Power Rangers, well, that was originally a TV show. It was turned into a movie and then another movie and now a complete reboot, new, same characters, same overall premise, but they do things very differently. Um, and um, the Bond films, right? Casino Royale, uh completely kind of took the tone back to a serious gritty no nonsense James Bond and then um War of the Planet of the Apes and that whole franchise Planet Rise of the Planet of the Apes um Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and now War rebooted um the originals but also Tim Burton tried to do a reboot as well so tons of examples of famous reboots that have worked some have not the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes failed but the current iteration of the Planet of the Apes is doing very well. In fact, War of the Planet of the Apes is getting uh, raving reviews from critics right now. What? No. In fact, <laughs> of all of our movies on the um, Summer Movie Challenge, which uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, I did take the lead this week, uh, finally. Um, however, I have four of my movies in, and only and both of you... Uh, well, Mike has three. Corey only has two of her movies out so far. So... Um, but I got to say something, uh, a couple of things. One, 
uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, which comes out in two weeks, um, has the highest Metacritic score out of all the movies right now um, that have Metacritic scores. Um, two, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the highest grossing film right now. Any guesses on what the number two is? No idea. Despicable Me. And this I is, don't really know. This is worldwide. Oh. Um, Guardians is number one. Pirates of the Wonder Caribbean Woman? is number two. What? Because of worldwide. Um, it's not doing so hot in America, but everywhere Thank you else. Thank market? Well, yeah, but your Metacritic score is not getting you enough points. Is it like 27? It's 39, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty <laughs> it's better bad. better than I was hoping. Um, and then Wonder Woman is third, um, and she, but that's also at a really high Metacritic score, which is why I'm in the lead right now. Uh, unfortunately, right. Despicable Me 3 is not doing hot this weekend. Um, and the Metacritic score is much lower than I expected. It's down to 49, I think, for, for uh, Despicable Me 3, and I was predicting it in the 50s. Um, so, off by a little bit. Apparently, the third one is not so hot. But, um, just wanted to point out the Summer Movie Wager. If you missed that episode, we did that at the beginning of um, May, I think. And um, we all drafted movies that were coming out this summer. Um, and we earned points based on the Metacritic and its total gross worldwide. Um, and right now I am in the lead. Mike is in second and Corey is in third. Mike still has two movies left. Corey has two big movies though. You have Dunkirk and, um, War of the Planet of the Apes coming out. And again, War of the Planet of the Apes, Metacritic is very high. So if it makes some money, you're going to get a lot of points from that one. And mine... I really... Oh, I was going to say my fifth movie is Spider-Man. And that comes out this Friday. So hopefully it does well. Otherwise I could be in dire straits. Um, I need to take a moment and tell you guys that I went to see Baby Driver today. Oh, what did you think? That I wanted to turn around and watch it again. Dang right, dang right. I was super nervous going into that movie because of how hyped it is. And it, like, it just, from, like, the moment it comes on the screen, it's, like, nonstop. Boom. The whole time. It was just great. And I love the soundtrack so much, so mm-hmm. much. And, you know, like, my husband and I are kind of like, don't see eye to eye on movies. But every time I would, like, turn to him to try to see how he's, like, enjoying the movie, he's, like, you know, kind of bobbing his head or he's, like, tapping his foot. So that Man. was really fun. I'll yeah. tell you, the, the opening song uh, for the opening scene, Bell Bottoms, um, is one of yeah. my favorite songs now. Like, I love that song. I, I can't and- get enough of it. I, you know, he said that he was making this movie for uh, music bands, and, you know, that is without a doubt definitely what was happening there. Um, but it was just, I just loved all of it. I loved the cast so much, and I just thought mm-hmm. it was a great storyline, too. Like, yeah. very original. And characters that you actually care about um, in an action movie. It's an amazing feeling. Um, characters with personality, and let's say character. Um, in, a, in a fast-paced, driving action movie, it's amazing. Uh, take that Fast and the Furious franchise. So, B A B Y baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, that's a movie, dude. Uh, if you decide you want to go see it, I will come with you, even though I've seen it twice already, because I love it. I would. Totally but that's on your on list, my... right? That's on your list for your points. Um, it is my wild card <laughs> pick. Oh, okay. Card no, no, like I'll rent it then. Oh my god. Oh, already, no. Uh... no, Mike. I don't care whose pick it is. You need to go see this on the big screen. Like, I don't think that it's going to translate. It's going to be great at home, too, and I'm definitely going to buy it. But I think that this is one of those movies that definitely benefits from being on a big screen. Having, like, this, you know, the sound system and everything. I just think that it's so much fun. 
No, nope, he's pulled ahead of me. I'm not giving him more points. <laughs> What's one of your movies, Mike? I'll go see one of your movies hey, if you'll man. go see Baby Driver. Your, Dang it. Your wild card movie is Emoji Movie. And to yeah, be fair, that's not going to help. <laughs> but to be fair, <laughs> no. I've seen all of your movies so far. Um, oh. And I'm going to go see Dark Tower and Annabelle 2. So I'm, oh, I'm and I finally, I finally saw the trailer for that. When did I don't know when the trailer for Dark Tower came out, but I just saw it on the big screen today. The new one is really cool. Have you seen the new trailer, Mike? I I don't think I have. Um, they really show the gunslinger. Like I don't know the book. I know you're a fan of the book series too, right? Actually, I haven't read any oh. of it. I've been afraid to. Oh, okay. Well, then, so you're just like me then. Um, it the the gunslinger is really like the focus of the new trailer. And man, El- Idris Elba looks amazing in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah he's uh, that that he was picked and McConaughey was picked. Right there. What? I heard a baby. I heard a squeezed cat, so oh, okay. I don't know what you all are doing. But I'm very, definitely not squeezing my 25 pound cat. Max. It's a very I'm specific, qu- like <laughs> a squeezed hey. cat. Oh. Say, hey, you know, from my extensive, extensive background in foley, um, that's definitely a squeezed cat. Oh, I know, no. I know a squeezed cat when I hear one. Um, all right, and I, I could probably name what part you squeezed. Whoa, let's not do that. Um, all right. <laughs> so, folks, uh, as you can tell, uh, we've had a long week. Um, we're ready to get into our list. Uh, odds are this one's going to be controversial. I know I have at least two that are going to um, maybe rile some people up, but I'm gonna, uh, I hope you guys have kind of arguments as to why um, you think it would be. I didn't go through and like do like dream casting or anything like that, although I think that could have been fun. And I might think of something on the way. Like, I might be like, oh, this person would be really good. But I have some ideas. Um, I think we said, Mike, it's – are you going first this week? I was just about to ask. I think it's my turn um, since I've fallen behind on my points. That's right. Um, the other part is what about – we won't need a spoiler run, warning. Well, maybe we might because we'll address previously made films. Ah, good point. Good point. Uh, but then how many uh, are you going to be familiar with with mine? This one's Ooh. really challenging. Go, with... go ahead, Corey. How many do you think? That, that I've seen or that I know? What do we always do? I think it's always seen, right? Yeah. Then I'm going to go with one. Uh, I'm going to go three on this one. I'm going to go big. Okay. Um, just okay. because I'm, three I'm... that you've seen. All yeah. Right. I mean, I'm thinking maybe it's not going to be as obscure, but then again, I could see you going deep with, with your uh, your obscure movies for this because you you know like well people never saw it so maybe if they reboot it people will actually see it um, so I could see you going either way with it but we'll find out um, let's go Mike Corey then me and uh, we're gonna get into our top five now just in case you are new to the podcast these lists are made in secret and this is us revealing them to each other uh, odds are we're either gonna give each other a hard time. Or we might be really impressed with a pick that maybe we were like, oh, how did I miss that? That's a really great idea. Um, if we have overlap, um, I don't know if we need to wait for this one because we're not really reviewing as much as we're just giving our reasoning why. So I guess we could just flow with it if we have overlap or whatever for this episode. Um, and Corey has a spoiler warning. Dun, dun, dun. We might potentially spoil some of these movies for you if you're like mike and you like spoilers you can go full steam ahead if you're like john and i and you hate them you might want to check out our list at burkreviews.com first before you give us a listen and obviously the the subject matter of this one's different because we're not picking movies that exist 
that we want that we just saw in this case we are picking movies um that we think should be rebooted which again would mean starting from scratch the stories from the previous films could be completely left in the dust and a new story and hopefully um i have some ideas for mine uh, my number one though is going to be a little easier to, uh, to to point out why but some of my other ones i i'm going kind of hypothetical as to what i think they should do um with the reboot so um you guys ready maybe <laughs> maybe yeah i don't feel good about this list guys struggle bus it's probably bad but mike go ahead and let's start you <laughs> off with number one then we'll go Corey, and i'll i'll wrap it up for number three all right Oh, sounds like someone's making their list right now. <laughs> oh, weird. It's not me. Hmm. All right, don't squeeze any cats while I'm talking. Okay. All right. So, given the resurgence, I feel somewhat, of Westerns lately and the predilection of Hollywood to go after classic properties, I feel it's kind of a big surprise that Sam Peckinpah's 1969 classic, The Wild Bunch, hasn't been touched yet. Um, in my mind, someone like Tarantino... Well, if he were to tackle other people's properties, uh, oh, that's like that 80s OPP. If he were down with OPP, he'd probably be the one to really go after this one. Really, I mean, I think he's – I, I doubt anyone could argue that he did not hit this kind of genre with Django Unchained and Hateful Eight's real – I mean, they were solid, solid entries. I wish I had seen the Hateful Eight on the big screen. You got to see the big print, didn't you? I yeah, think. yeah, I got to go to yeah, the, um, the road, yeah. road shows. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, it, it wasn't that long ago what The Magnificent Seven just came out. Denzel, Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt's uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio. It was fair. It was missing. It, it felt like it was missing something. It was entertaining. It needed something extra to go with it, and there was a lot going on with the. At least the level of violence in the Wild Bunch at the time, 1969, I think this was very different than what the kinds of Western, you know, the clean Westerns. It wasn't that long ago that um, I forget what channel it was, but it was running John Wayne's The Green Berets. And I'm thinking because even the way it plays out on the screen, that is such a stark contrast between the Vietnam of the Green Berets and, you know, Oliver Stone's Platoon. Just such a, you know, or even let's say Scarface, even to a more of extreme extent, the kind, the way they hit a gangster film versus even the original Scarface. So, I don't know, this one might be, I think there would be people that would be really upset that it would be touched, but maybe this would be the uh, a way to get people to watch the original. I mean, uh, I told my son, because he was interested in the, the, the current Magnificent Seven, and I gave him I always give them that history lesson. I always talk about the Seven Samurai and then, you know, oh, the yeah. old, the original Magnificent Seven as well and where things come from. And he's even started because he's, uh, even with the most recent when we all went to see The Mummy, uh, how derivative it oh, is, yeah. you know, it, it is of other properties and so many different things that you'll see like, that's right. This one is so similar and you can see ideas that were borrowed. So mm-hmm. that's one. That's one of the things. Uh, I, I got to the Wild Bunch late in in the game, and it had been out way long, probably within the last two or three years that I saw it. So I'm actually kind of surprised this hasn't been tossed around. I I've not seen this movie. Um, I need actually my westerns are weak in general. Um, I've seen more modern westerns, and 
uh, it's a genre that I'm I'm interested in now that I wasn't for a long time, um, and so I'm definitely interested in watching it. Um, and it sounds like something that could easily be turned into a franchise, um, which would be a big part of the reboot. Mm-hmm. That you you create these characters. It doesn't matter what the story was, but the characters are the, what you're looking for, and then you build them in a series of stories that could be you know multiple movies or whatever. Um, you know, I I don't know much about the original, but that is. Um, Definitely ripe for a return. And again, Westerns, um, I, I've read a lot of articles recently where they kind of explain why Westerns have faded in today's landscape. Um, but uh, the ones that have been made have done not exceptionally well as far as like box office. I mean, they've done, they've been well made, like Django, like you said, and uh, Hateful Eight, which is a very different type of Western um, than Django. But even Magnificent Seven, while it wasn't perfect, it had good stuff in it. And um, uh, my one of my favorite movies from a couple of years ago was Bone Tomahawk, which is a really awesome yeah. modern day Western. Um, so well, th- and that one really, tw- you know, turned the tables on you in the, mi- in the middle of it. Yeah, well, even throughout, really from the beginning, it, it's uh, it's a horror Western, which is an interesting genre mm-hmm. mashup. Um, but really, really well made and very well acted. Uh, Richard Jenkins particularly is so great in that movie. Um, oh, I love him. I didn't yeah. realize he was in that. Yeah, he's uh, he's a major character, but he's definitely downplayed as far as his name being on the bill. But, um, yeah, uh, and a surprise, um, David Arquette shows up in that movie. But um, it actually has some people you love, Corey. It has Patrick Walker um, as well. And um, uh, I'm afraid to say it's not. Oh, man. Patrick Walker. Patrick Wilson. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm oh, okay. It was like Patrick. Patrick Wilson. Um, my bad. Yeah. From uh, your Conjuring, Conjuring movies and Insidious and Hard Candy and some other great stuff. Um, and uh, and Kurt Russell, which is the big, you know, the big name in that film. But okay. um, yeah, I think that's a good pick, Mike. I assume Corey's in the same boat as me. Haven't seen The Wild Bunch. Word. And nothing to add. So let's move into Corey's number five. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, Dang. Mm-hmm. What, what is your number five, Corey? I don't like my picks. Um, okay. Hey, um, I, was la- I was late. You got extra time. Oh, I know. And I had to, like, completely overhaul my list today. So um, not that I was very far along. I only had three. But I'm going with an already established well, I guess, franchise that I love, but I would like to see someone else get a hold of this movie, uh, Creepshow 3. Okay. I think that's a Three? Specifically three? Yes, because I feel like there was a big disconnect between, um, like, a big disconnect between one and two, and I mean, obviously, because it has different writers and different um, directors, but I feel like and I don't even think that it suffers just from a low budget. I just think that quality wasn't there. So I would like to see someone who maybe loves that franchise or loves the comic books or, um, I don't care what short stories they use. Um, but I would just like to see somebody go in that has a better vision for it, I guess. Um, you want to see it uh, kind of in the same way that let's say the thing, reboot was that uh, you want to see it done treated right you want you want to see your girl be done right that's right um i just and i feel like uh with a few of mine on this list i just feel like 
they weren't done the justice they could have been done. So I definitely, and I've only seen it one time. I think that I was going to buy it, but I actually ended up running it through like the Blockbuster through the DVD rental at the time. And I'm glad that I did because it's just not very good. And it came out about the same time. I think that, uh, George A. Romero did like, I think it was diary of the dead or something. So hmm. I just now yeah. just to clarify, is Creepshow three out already, or are you saying they need to make a Creepshow three that kind of retrofits back into the first movie? No, there's already a Creepshow three. Okay, so keeping one and two in continuity, and then erasing the previous three and making a new three that's better. Oh, whole new one. Yes. Okay. Time warp. It has to be a time warp. Thing. Well, so this is a Jurassic World type of reboot. I just want to establish like. Because there might be people, oh, that's not a reboot. I'm like, oh, no, there is a, such a thing as just rebooting at a certain point. Like, as if uh, this one never happened. Wiping it clean. You know, it's like, we went back to 1955, and then when we came back, it's now 1985 in the and other version. So, To be completely honest, though, about 1 and 2, you don't have to watch 1 to get 2. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't... Well, that's... Isn't it... Um, Are these, like, they're, anthology type... And, Yes. Yeah, that's what yes. I thought. So mm-hmm. it, that's an interesting idea for a reboot because it does it's an anthology, so um, it, it's definitely not the same overall premise. But I, I'm, I'll accept it. I'll, I'll take it. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to defend you, and then you, you throw that argument. Okay, thank it. you. <laughs> oh no, I'm d- well. I'm just saying that um, I feel like it could go so many different ways. I just feel like anyone than the current director the director that made it could probably do a much better job i'm sorry whoever the director is i don't even know their name is it one director doing all the anthology elements um you know let me actually look it well, up really you don't have to do all that i was just wondering if you knew like um because a lot of the other anthologies that i'm aware of that's part of the uh, appeal is they have multiple two. people working on you know different things <clears throat> um there are two directors for this one okay well um <laughs> All right. Uh, I haven't seen the Creepshow movies, actually. Um, and I'm not... not it's it's one of those things that just somehow never got into my... Uh, in front of me. Um, I'm intrigued, though, because they are similar in some way to uh, Tales from the Crypt type stuff, right? Like, they're kind of horror with, like, a... Uh, yeah, they're, like, short stories, but um, what I love about them is that they actually start out with, um, well, not start out, but, like, kind of in the middle of the opening, it, like, goes to the comic books that they're based off of, and it becomes animated, and mm. then it kind of segues into the short stories, and I've always wanted to read horror comics, I've never gotten a hold of any, and I feel like I own too many books, and I don't know if I want any physical copies, but I just think it's a really fun idea. That's cool. Did you say too many books? Yeah, it's There's Mike no and I moving soon. There are, and I live on the third floor, homie. <laughs> oh, just throw them out the window. Yeah. Right? Into, into like out. a pod. Watch out below. I can't just, do that with my record. You should just hire oh. movers when you move, and then it's not a right? problem. You don't have to worry I about it. I want to tell oh. you. Also, Look, it listen, looks... listen, to, listen to Burke with his monocle. Horses yeah, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it looks like this one, as far as Rotten Tomatoes, the... Uh, Creepshow 3 that was made in 2006 or 2007 has a 0%. So oh, wow. <laughs> there's oh, that. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. All right. All right. That's a good point. <laughs> wow. 
Um, Maybe people just haven't seen it and they have to give it. No, a they're chance. just giving it. A, they're just giving. They're like, I don't even know what this movie is. I've never heard of it. Zero. I've never it, heard of it. It is possible <laughs> that because it it was probably straight to DVD that it maybe doesn't get a good critic uh, review um, enough to have a good score. All right. Um, I'm gonna. Mike, do you have anything to add to the creep show thing before I move into my number five? Well, again, um, we, having mentioned westerns. The anthology has made a resurgence to various, you know, varying levels of success. I'm a fan of VHS, uh, the ABCs of Death, even Holidays, which was uneven. That's the thing. The tricky part is they are uneven. Uh, there's a there's another one I've just uh, called. Ooh. I think it's called XX. Yes, I think it's, uh, it's on Netflix now. All yeah, directed yeah. by women, all yep. women. And, and so women. that's in, that's intriguing. Who? Annie Clark, she's uh, she's the she's Saint Vincent, the musician. Oh, okay. Excited to see her. That's I was... awesome. That, uh, yeah. So uh, there's a market for it, and and you know there's another thing that I, I wanted to say at the beginning that I just kind of because uh, you even mentioned the the A twenty we didn't mention them by name but A twenty four yeah kind of has that niche where they're going I mean a million dollar budget film and it returns sixteen that is a lot of Huge. money yeah big deal. yeah um there are certain film imprints uh, hollywood's so stuck on the the hollywood system is so stuck on the big numbers that a lot of films that could be so worthy will get lost in the shuffle and that's where i think i feel a24 is really on a roll with all and, I, i'm a definite a, a24 fanboy yeah and oh, i yeah. wanted to ask you guys yeah i also guys i'm gonna get a button machine um but I have a question for you. Is it on the theater level, like up to the managers or staff at a theater to decide which movies are going to put in what screening rooms? Or do you think maybe that comes down from a corporate level? That's cor- That's got to be corporate. I would imagine it's corporate. I don't know for a fact. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I think there's some level of um, local management that has to have some input. Um, cause like some regal theaters get more like indie films than others. So like, I think it's knowing there has to be some element of knowing your audience in your area. Like, um, the Orlando area winter park regal gets, um, a lot of smaller films and they know they have an art house theater of like two blocks down the road. So they have a film community around it that people will go see these small low budget, uh, indie films that do not play at our Regal, where we're in an area where people only go to the big, dumb blockbuster movies for the most part in our area. Um, so I think there has to be some level of local management uh, making some of the decisions, um, but probably not final say. I Because, and I'm sorry to derail the conversation, but you and I, oh, kind of like in our group uh, message earlier, Baby Driver was in this, one of the smallest screening rooms at my theater. My theater has 21 screens plus one IMAX screen. And we were mm-hmm. literally at, like, one of the smallest ones. But it's a Sunday, and Sunday is not a big movie for big days for people to go to movies here. And that's why Bill and I choose that day. I don't like to be in crowded theaters. But, guys, that theater was almost completely full. Oh, and wow. I just feel like that is not a good business decision. And yeah. I just feel like a couple times now I'm seeing that. But I didn't know what the turnout was there. And you said that it was in a bigger screening room for you guys. So, yeah, um... I was just... The premiere wasn't when we went to the premiere of it on Tuesday night um, at our theater. It was in one of the smaller theaters, but when we went on Thursday night, it was in one of the largest theaters um, at our local Regal, and so I was happy about that. And I just uh, read an article from that our uh, mutual friend Brendan sent me um, from Box Office Mojo that uh, it looks like um, 
I forgot the number, but Baby Drivers outperformed what uh, was expected by Sony Studios. Like Sony, it's doing way better than Sony had projected it doing. So that's awesome. Um, so, and I'm encouraging everybody uh, to go see Baby Driver in the theater. Um, not because it's my wild card pick, because it may become my favorite movie of all time. It's right now tied I, up with Scott Pilgrim. And want to say it's one of my favorite movies of this year oh, that I can think of off the top of my head. It's yeah, so good. Yeah, I hate to I hate to ruin our our end of the year podcast by saying it's my favorite movie of the year already. But right now it's my favorite movie of the year. So. Um, We're only halfway through. Yeah, yes, yeah, true. And Dunkirk is coming out, and I am a Nolan fan, um, so it might impress me more. I don't think though, like I think I'll like I'll love Dunkirk, but I don't think it's going to be nearly as fun and hit hit everything I love about Baby Driver. But let's move into my number five because we've we have hit tangent road. My number five for our top five movie reboots is um, first uh, video game movies. Right, video game movies have a history of being awful. Um, if I ask you to name a good video game movie, odds are you can't. Um, now some people have, you know, well, I, I like the Resident Evil franchise or I like this, but generally speaking, even if you like them, they're not, like yeah, they're not living up to the video games. And because video games, uh, weave such a tapestry over many hours and you're trying to condense that experience into a one and a half to two hour movie, you're going to have some issues. Um, I am rebooting, though. The one that I think should be rebooted is a relatively new one, and that's the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, <laughs> it has a 36 on Metacritic um, from this past uh, December, and I want to say what I think they should do. Reboot it, but drop the modern-day stuff. Just tell us the story of an assassin and the Templar Knights in the past. Make it a period piece and only do the period piece. That element of the video game, while it helps inside the video game, there's a lot more time to develop both of those story arcs. You don't have that time in the movie, and it shows. The, there's so much nonsense happening with the back and forth, and the most interesting parts of the movie are interrupted by the modern story arc that nobody cares about. We want to see the assassins. That's the interesting moment. Just show us that. Show us that story. And I don't care which one you set it in. You can set it in Italy. You can set it in uh, the Middle East. You can set it in the Origins Assassin's Creed, which is going to be in Egypt. You can set it in um, the Bahamas during the Pirates of the Caribbean type stuff, like in uh, number four in the franchise. There are so many awesome moments. And that would be the beauty of the franchise is you could do a different character for each movie, but they're all connected through the, through uh, genetics. You know, you don't have to tell a you know, hard story in the modern day. I say drop that, build the assassins, make the assassins the intriguing part, link the assassins to the the apple. Um, even though the apple was always a weird MacGuffin that never really made sense until like the third game, who cares? You know, it's a cool franchise that has cool weapons, it has amazing action sequences that are possible, but you, you messed it up. And the proof, that I got it, 36 Metacritic, and it didn't do well in the box office. Because you did it wrong. Fix it, and it could be a really successful franchise. People love period pieces. They do. And uh, people love action movies. And you have an action period piece, you have, a, you have a potential successful franchise if you do it right. So that's my pick for number five is reboot the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, I debated including Resident Evil, but there's already talk of them rebooting it, and that scares me. So <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Jeez. Um, so... Um, and to be fair to Michael Fassbender, I would be fine if you want to recast him, but maybe don't cast him 
for a, an assassin that's not from like England or something. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to cast if you're going to set it in like the Middle East or Egypt, cast an actor from that area rather than whitewashing another role. So, that said, um and in reality if you base it on the video game, the the character in the modern world does not resemble the assassin that you're playing in the game because it's not the same person. They are you know distantly genetically related so they don't look the same they don't have to be the same um you know that's something to consider too people making movies anyways that said that's my number five any thoughts guys video game films are always going to be it's gonna they're gonna leave you wanting uh that that reminds me of uwe bowl's treatment of house of the dead Oh man, that's and, not a fair comparison because he, he is a tragic. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, 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 it's no. It, it brings it back. Yeah, brings it back to mind. Uh, and he, he actually he's had at least two that have been decent. Uh, that wasn't one of them, yeah. but it, uh, that one, House of the Dead, could have been something, and it wasn't. I love that game so much. Yeah. Or even Alone in the Dark. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, there's a lot of issues with video game movies. I think there's two parts. One, you use the title only to try to bring people in, which is what I think both of those movies did. It's the title of a video game, but the what you see when you get there doesn't resemble the video game at all. Um, and even you can and, argue and, Resident and Evil. And audiences get left really upset with that. They can. The, the built-in fan base that you're bringing in with the title, they want the source material at least to feel familiar. Resident Evil, the only thing they did was bring you into the mansion, but barely. You know, they brought you underneath the mansion, and it's not from the video games. Um, but you get to see creatures, and I think that appeased the crowd and why it worked. When you compare other video game movies, Resident Evil was fairly successful by comparison to a lot of the other video game adaptations. Um Assassin's Creed stayed true to the concept of the game. And to be fair, the games, with the exceptions of um, the Ezio trilogy, for the most part, jump around from characters. You're not following a lot of the characters. The modern character is the only um, thread that's consistent throughout all of them. And there's references to the other characters, but you're generally playing a different character from the game, which makes it an, an opportune movie idea because you don't have to base it on any one character you just have to base it on the premise of the assassins and the templars and if you do that it can be very successful um if done correctly and that's where they they dropped the ball they probably try yeah they tried to they kind of bit off more than they could chew yep. and it just dragged how long was that what was the runtime on that um let me look i think it's just under two hours yeah it felt like three yeah i did it, it's it's a I, and it was it was hard to watch, and I, I, we wanted like even John couldn't, my son couldn't. We tried, and it it, it left us wanting. Uh, there, um, what was another one? Mortal Kombat was pretty much so because you know I I could see where you don't want to be compared to Uwe Boll, uh, a, yeah. a production of his. Uh, Mortal Kombat we watched, and I t I warned him. I warned him the sequel. It's like no, he wanted to dive into the sequel. It's, you know, they didn't even get Christopher Lambert back. No, I know. Who, uh, again, again, going to the casting. Come on, you got a French guy playing a Chinese god. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, we I forgave it. I do like the first Mortal Kombat movie. It's got its problems. Oh, absolutely. But I, Oh, yeah, it's not perfect. No. But probably of, I know I keep interrupting you, but probably of the majority of the video game adaptations, that one, man, that just yeah. something when she's... Hit that techno version of the 
of mm-hmm. the theme that just go it yeah it hit the it hit the notes even if it wasn't perfect I mean, they did some cringy things in that movie, too, like uh, forcing fatality in there and stuff. But other parts worked <laughs> really, really well. And considering it's a fighting game and, that really has a loose story to begin with, they right. they made it like they've developed characters. And, they made people that you actually were rooting for. Um, and, and Dad Veronica Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> but if they um, that could be a good reboot, too. Actually, I considered MK when I was looking at my list. Um but I feel like of all of the video game franchises that are out there, Assassin's Creed has such a rich story because it pulls from real history anyways. You know, so you have these historical landmarks that you can pull from that people will identify with, that people want to see these, you know, cool settings. Um, and then you have this this veil that you get to see behind, this idea that this existed, that these assassins were manipulating the path of history you know people will get into like the illuminati and those type of conspiracy theories and here it is built in to the story of assassin's creed it could be great you just have to you know i mean you could even you could tie the modern thing in but what i would say is you make the modern thing a arcing storyline that you only get a little taste of the modern story in the first movie and then over the franchise you could really build that character out as you you are diving into his you know past his ancestors i should say um i i just think they they tried to do too much they bit off more than they could chew with trying to tell a what i mean desmond's story in the i don't know if you guys have played assassin's creed at all i i was a big fan of the early franchise desmond's story takes five video games to get through his story you barely get anything with desmond in the first couple of games because they're gradually building it. He is an entryway into the real story, which is the assassin story. Um, and even Enzio took three, three games to tell his whole story, you know? So, I mean, um, it's such a, when you try to condense that much content into a two hour movie, and then really they're condensing two major story arcs that would have taken five video games to get through into a two hour movie. And it's just done really badly. And then even the visuals, they did a lot wrong with that movie. I'm saying it's a great reboot idea. Let's let's try again, but let's try, you know, less. Less is more sometimes, Hollywood. Um, that's what I'm saying. All right. I, I think that message is lost on them, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely it seems to be. <laughs> but let's get to uh, – uh, oh, go ahead, Corey. Oh, I was going to say that I was, I've never played that game, um, so I wonder how much I would enjoy it as a person that, does, you know, knows relatively not much about it at all. But um, um, I played zero to zero. none of it, and I didn't, okay. I didn't enjoy it, so. Which makes me sad, because he is a great actor, and I like Marianne Cotillard, Cotillard yeah. a lot, too. You can, I don't think you can blame them. They did what they could with what they were given, yeah. and it was not and much. Most of my issue with the, the movie isn't that it's not loyal to the source material. It's actually fairly uh, to the source material. It's execution that is the issue. Um, unlike some of the other video game movies where it's not, it doesn't stay true to the source material, that's not my issue with Assassin's Creed. If anything, I think they follow the formula of the games quite well, but they do it badly. And again, they try to do, I think, too much in the time that they have. Um, and again, there's there's other issues, like having Fassbender play the double role really doesn't make sense when you consider the video game concept. Oh! Um, because of the time, like, m- my ancestors probably didn't look exactly like me. You know, we're talking, you know, dozens of, of different, unless 
unless we're implying heavy inbreeding is happening within his genetic pool, um, odds are you're not going to look exactly like your great, 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 great grandfather, you know? Uh, there might be slight resemblances, but it's not going to be like, oh, look, it's him. Um, and that's never been in the game. Like, the characters in the game never resemble Desmond because he's, you know, hundreds of years removed from these people. So, you know, you're talking like maybe his grandma married, you know, like maybe he's originally from his great, 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 great ancestors are from Italy, but they traveled to Europe and they married uh, a German and then they came across to America. Maybe they married, you know, that's what happens in genetics. So by the time you get to modern day, you're not the same exact pool, but you still share DNA with that original ancestor. That's the way the game approaches it. And so having the same actor play both parts, it doesn't logically make sense. But again, it's a, the whole premise doesn't really make sense. So whatever. We're getting hung up on this. Let's move to number four. Mike, what is your number four reboot suggestion? All right. I'm going back to 1990, a John McTiernan classic, The Hunt for Red October. Oh. And see, for me, it's easily one of Alec Baldwin's, Tim Curry's, Sam Neill's, Sean Connery's best films together i mean they have made amazing films i i like baldwin kind of done that shift to tv comedy but seeing him and this you know take his take on jack ryan and just this rich cold war tale of you know it's so detailed at least the novel which i need to read i need to start getting into some tom clancy but he if you've ever seen their novel the novels he comes up with just so detailed enough so that you know the department of defense's uh, his story is that they called him in and how, how did you get this information oh because that's yeah yeah it's it's really involved um and and with that said too the universe that he has built around jack ryan and let's say rainbow six because they, there's even that video game franchise that's taken off and all these characters that that willem dafoe uh, shows up as a character in uh, Clear and Present Danger uh, because let's see uh, how many more, uh, Alec Baldwin played him first. Harrison, Harrison Ford took over. Affleck had a turn. Which I understand Chris, that Affleck's Some of All Fears is a reboot actually of the Jack Ryan story. Um, yeah, and well, and then the Chris Pine one was also because they were going Jack Ryan. Um, oh, I forget what it was. It didn't do well. I, I, it fizzled really quick uh, the way i put it my notes were it fizzled more quickly than fireworks in the middle of a thunderstorm <laughs> uh, but that was three years ago and he's made a turnaround i mean chris pine is definitely thanks to star trek and wonder woman he's just a commodity to be he, he so far has gotten but i mean that when he played jack ryan it really wasn't so yes so it's it's already been, been done but i want to see not so See, that's the tough thing because it's so expansive and there's so much, so many stories that it may be even tough to tell them all. Uh, I don't know. John, uh, Tom Clancy is no longer on this mortal coil. So this might and having done poorly the last uh, offering. This might just be on the, sh- you know, yeah, on the shelf gathering dust. But there was something about Jack Ryan. No former Marine who becomes an analyst and then kind of goes along that route. And he becomes the president in the, uh, the Harrison Ford one. Yes. So, uh, uh, no, 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 no. He never does. 
Uh, but eventually, I believe the character goes that route. But well, I thought Harrison. I thought uh, Air Force One. That's not Jack Ryan. Are you sure? I'm positive. Oh man, I was totally positive that it was. I'll look it up, but no, I'm pretty confused. sure. I thought Air Force One was a continuation of that character. I don't think so, but if it is, uh, that's news to me because I remember that whole scene. Get off my plane. What is um? I'm sorry. Going what? Which what movie is Harrison Ford? Jack Ryan for sure, because you you mentioned Harrison Ford. Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. See, and I thought Air Force One was after those two. Um, I'm not now. I'm not sure, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just like forced it in there. Um, okay, well that's that's what. Wait, never mind. Never oh mind. boy, uh, um, so close. President J- James Marshall. I'm sorry to say. Uh, huh. Man. Okay. So it, it, is that movie a connection to anything? Because I swore it was it was a, it was connected to something, but looking okay. Well, um, that's an interesting pick though, because Jack Ryan is a, uh, Tom Clancy. One, I know several people who are big big fans of the Tom Clancy book, so uh, seeing that rebooted and there were there are books that were not made into movies with Jack Ryan, I assume. Um, yep, yep. So there's several. definitely room. Um, it'd be cool. It'd be a cool character to pick up and uh, you know get an actor who's wanting to go long term with it. Um, I can't. I don't. I don't have a fantasy casting in mind. I'm trying to think of people who, because you need an action star, but you also need some gravitas. You need him to be someone you can take seriously in a more dramatic role. It's not a dumb action character. It's not a throwaway. Carl Urban. Carl Urban is my first thought. Dude, that's a cool pick. I like that all day. I. I don't feel like Carl Urban gets enough credit, man. No, he he, and he's been in the business for a long time. Dude, Dread is such an underrated reboot. Um, oh, absolutely. Like he is so good as Dread, and then I love him as Bones in the Star Trek movies. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm all. Let's go with that. We want a Jack Ryan reboot with Carl Urban as Jack Ryan. I'm. I am. I'll sign that petition any day. Um. <laughs> let's make it happen. Cause and then we watch yeah. him age into it where he becomes the president. Like, mm-hmm. That would be great. Yep, that's oh, wow. and he's at a perfect age for it. Yep, see, there we go. Yeah, that's I love it. I want I want that movie for real. Let's make that happen. Take um, my money. Yeah. Um. Uh, man, see, that is exactly what I want this episode to be. Is that type of of idea? Um, I like that a lot. So I'm all in for that. Uh, Corey, um, do you have anything to add before we get to your number four? No, I've never seen these movies, guys. What, what? I, you know what? I've not sat through Hunt for Red October, but I've seen some of the other ones. So, um, in fact, I yeah, think I should see. I'm, and I'm kind of surprised that you pulled that because um, I feel like that would be kind of controversial because I do know people that love that movie. It's a fantastic movie, but you'd have to start somewhere and. Word. Yeah, that's, that's the one. And that's the beauty of reboots. Reboots do not have to be that they were bad. Like the Batman, the Nolan verse trilogy is a great reboot a franchise. Right. But I do like the Tim Burton Batman. Is Does it hold up? Oh, not exactly. No, no a little no. campy, but I. it was the Batman we needed at the time. Yeah. And that's same. Even if you want to go farther back with the TV, I love the Adam West Batman. Does it hold mm-hmm. up in the same way? Not yeah. really. It's not what we think of when we think of Batman anymore. But I still have a fond a fondness for that show, and then same thing with Tim Burton. And honestly, honestly, and it's it's not something that's people like to say. I like Batman Forever. Does it have problems? Yes, tons. But there are things about it that I enjoy. I hate the third act. That's a common thing with comic book movies, though. And 
The fourth one, I like to pretend never got made because Batman and Robin, you can't, I can't even believe it's the same director <laughs> from Batman Forever because Batman Forever, when it starts to jump off the deep end, Batman and Robin is so deep that there's not a, a depth reading. Like, we don't know how deep it went, but it is so off the deep end. And, um, but then the Nolanverse, and while again, I'm not a big fan so far of the Snyder take on the DC universe, I do like what they did with Batman for the most part. There's things I don't like, but there's a lot of stuff I do like, and I like Affleck as Batman. And so I think with Mike's point, it's, it doesn't mean these movies weren't great, but it's such a cool character, and there's a lot of stuff unexplored still, like source material, that you can explore. And even if you didn't, just the concept of the character is interesting. And it is sad, because Chris Pine is great, so the fact that he couldn't bring the character into the interest level is surprising, but they might have tried to make it too born, you know, like, because I, when I, I remember um, seeing the trailer... That, yeah. It's it doesn't need to be Jason Bourne. It needs to be Jack Ryan. This is this character, right. um, and uh, this doesn't work. But there's a Brad Thor is an author that I got into after I finished the Dan Brown books because there was like nothing left to read because Dan Brown writes really really slow, and I was reading them right before right after the Da Vinci Code came out. So like I he had four books and I read those, um, and I I came across Brad Thor, and he has a character I think Scott Harper is the character name, um, kind of similar. He starts off. Um, He's like Navy Special Forces or something, and then he he ends up in this other thing. He ends up as a special uh, Secret Service agent, and then he keeps like kind of moving through the military branches, um, and he's he's awesome and uh, a lot of counterterrorism type stuff in the books. But I like they they never made any of them into movies, and I was always really surprised because they seemed like they would work really well as a cool action movie, not a born because again he's not it's not over the top. Um, and it's not like anti-government. It's actually like pro-government for the most part. You know, he's not like, oh, the government's evil, which is kind of like born kind of makes you think the government's evil. <laughs> um, what, what it's not? <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying like it doesn't always have to be anti-government. Like the government doesn't have to be a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I've always felt that way with Jack Ryan. Like there are problems, but most of the problems are people within the government, not the government itself. You know what I mean? Like. Like, yes, there are problems, but it's it's not anti-government. It's just because Jack Ryan works within the government. You know, he is part of the government, um, at least from what I re remember seeing. I haven't seen any of those movies in a long time. But all right. Um, uh, good number four, Mike. Let's go to Corey's because uh, we, we're getting a little long winded with these. Uh, what is your number four, Corey? OK, I have another anthology, actually. Um, I was pretty excited about watching this one. I know that one of my friends really likes it and it's kind of lost on me, but um, it's 2007's Trick or Treat. Okay. Oh, I, I need to watch this. Okay, I, um, what I'm gonna say isn't really too much of a spoiler. No, I don't but, care if you're gonna spoil it. Yeah, oh, spoil that's it. right. Um, I was pretty excited about the premise of this. Everyone knows that I freaking love Halloween so much. It's my favorite. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm going to be living in a neighborhood where I can have trick-or-treaters. But um, oh, I, I thought you were going to say that it had the Halloween house. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I should though. But um, I thought the idea of this movie was really fun, but it fell flat. Um, I think it it had a lot more potential. Uh, it all takes place on Halloween night in one neighborhood, I do believe, um, and pretty much there are going to be repercussions if you break any of the traditions or rules of Halloween. So um, I believe one is to not remove your costume. Another is uh, do not take down any of the decorations. B 
before uh, Halloween is officially over, so until midnight. Uh, this actually has Anna Paquin in it, too. So I guess that that kind of was a drawing factor for me, too. I thought that it would be a little better than it was. But, yeah. This is a really beloved... I think people really... Well, it's not... People uh, one still of those, love it. Yeah, it's one of those non-gray area, gray area ones that you either love it or don't. And every time I go to watch it, I catch a bit of it. Because it is an anthology, correct? Yeah, it is. Um, and so I catch a bit of it, and then something happens, and then by the time I get around to it, and I remember, oh, I didn't really watch it all. It's off of whatever service I was trying to watch it on. So It was on Netflix. It was. I don't know if it still is. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I think that I'm the only person that I've ever that I know has spoken negatively about this, because I feel like most people love this. And and I, what what awesome. would you have to do with the reboot, Corey? Um, I feel like... I would have a I I felt like it just wasn't very connected at all. So probably rewrite the script for the most part. They could keep like the basis of the um, stories in it would be okay. But and actually having some better actors in it. Anna Quinn was fine, and some of the actors were fine, but some of it just felt really not believable at all. Got it. All right, so rebooting Trick or Treat to, to fixing the little problems, maybe giving a little bit more budget to the cast um, and getting that uh, going again. Although, as Corey said, it might be a little controversial. People like it. I think my next pick is going to be very controversial, but I'm going to make an argument as to why I think it should be. Um, let's look at some movies that have come out recently. Chips, Baywatch. Both movies, while they are from TV shows, don't worry, that's not where my pick is going, but it's what they have oh. happening in those that I think is the problem. In Chips, oh. you have a uh, a new police officer who's, you know, trying to become a cop. He's not, you know, he was a, a BMX racer, um, and he's been injured so bad that he has to change his career, and he now is going to be a bike cop. So you kind of see him like this guy who doesn't belong, fish out of water type thing, trying to, to retrofit himself in. Baywatch, you have an Olympic athlete, an Olympic swimmer, who uh, has wrecked his career because he uh, cost his team a medal because he made some bad choices. His life's kind of gone down the crapper. He has bad PR. And so as an attempt at redeeming himself, he joins a elite group of lifeguards because he's a swimmer, so it makes sense. And again, it's not fish out of water per se, but it's a team-oriented group, and he is a all-about-himself individual. So you have this you know, idea of these misfits trying to fit in into a world that needs um, a serious group. And when I look back, it reminds me of a very failed attempt of Police Academy. Now, I grew up loving the Police Academy movies, and so I'm a fan of the franchise, even though they get progressively worse after the first one. Like, there is no question. But you have that idea of this, you have a bunch of misfits trying to find their place in the world, and they look to the police force to do so. And they somehow bumble their way into being good at the job, despite many, many, many failures. And I feel like that you see this trend happening in movies where it doesn't fit. Why not reboot Police Academy? And let's try that formula again. You have actors, like imagine Zac Efron as Mahoney. I think it could work. You know, he's got the look. He's got the comedic chops, kind of. Um, Channing Tatum, I mean, 21 Jump Street, right? That put him in the police academy because that sequence in the police academy and in 21 Jump Street is actually really entertaining. Why not make that the movie? You know, 
I like the Police Academy movie, especially the first one. I, I used to have the VHS, and I would rewatch it all the time as a kid. I shouldn't have been, but I did. And um, I could see a, a reboot being necessary because, again, the franchise lost its luster over time. So a reboot could maybe reestablish some of that uh, that quality. And then you even get to some stunt casting. You, you cast some of the old guys um, as the, the police chiefs. You know, They're the ones running the academy. And if you wanted to, you like could Steve even... Steve Gutenberg. Exactly. And, uh... Yeah, let him be uh, the, the zany commissioner, you know? Um, let let him fill that role. And he could even, if you wanted to, he could even be Mahoney, who's just now old and kind of, you know, senile. There you go, you know? Like, you could keep that reference to the old movies, um, but now have new groups, you know, of, of new uh, Police Academy members coming in. And I think it could be great. Now... Does, is there a big call for it? Not necessarily, but there's definitely a call for action comedies. And the last couple have missed. Baywatch and Chips both underperformed what their their hopes were. And, I mean, think of, like, Chips, you have a, a relatively, like, they're, you know, uh, Michael Pena's great. And Dax Shepard is known, but they're not megastars. But The Rock and Zac Efron, megastars. And Baywatch flopped. So, yeah. um, there's there's... They want this. They want this genre to work, and it has with 21 and 22 Jump Street. But I think Police Academy reboot. It's time. Let's do it. Let's get it going. I, I could see this. It, it would be true. Well, I mean, the zany comedy worked for 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. Should have worked for Baywatch. I just, I don't know. It'd be tricky. Well, Baywatch uh, failed, I think, because it didn't know what it was. It felt like it was trying to be the serious drama at times, and at other times it felt like it wanted to be this over-the-top crazy comedy, and those tones conflicted. It didn't find the balance that you get with, like, 21 and 22 Jump Street. I mean, 22 Jump Street also makes a lot of meta jokes um, that work really well, especially 22 because they're, like, they basically rehash the plot, and they're aware of the fact that they're rehashing almost the exact same thing that happened to them previously, until they realize that, oh, wait, that's what we're doing wrong, is we're trying to do the exact same thing again, and it's not the same thing. And Baywatch, um, they have some meta humor that doesn't work. Like, they have the cameos of Hasselhoff and stuff, and it's it's just, it, it flops. It's not great. Um, but, yeah, I think Police Academy, again, being a fan, um, I think there's room for it. I mean, even, um, you know, getting some, some young comedic actors uh, a place to showcase themselves, um, you know, because there's there were so many levels with that. I mean, you have your main Mahoney's without question your main character, but there's so many great little characters. And I don't again, it's a reboot, so you don't have to recreate like you don't need a high tower necessarily. Um, I can't. I'm having a hard time remembering all the names. What's the guy who did all the sound effects? Was it Jones? Oh man, I should have known that guy. Um, I th- I think the character because he showed up Jones. in Spaceballs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember his real name. The actor's name I don't remember at all. But I mean, we could look it up if we wanted. But I'm not sweating that. I I think it would work. Um, I don't want to spend too much time because we it is over an hour already into the episode and we we're only on number four. Um, but Corey, do you have anything to add to uh, Police Academy? I just think if they kept the genre the same because I was a little confused when they did a uh, Baywatch because that was primarily drama on uh. television and then they were like making it comedic and I think that might have been some of where that fell flat at least or Maybe. didn't uh, attract such the but yeah. Well, and Police Academy is an action comedy already, so it, it wouldn't be a yeah. genre shift at all. It would be re- rebooting it. Um, but again, I think Twenty One Jump Street showed that there is a desire for it, and Police Academy did it really well. Like it's the actions 
not so great, but it was an old low budget movie when it was made. So you you put a little bit of money behind it, you can have great action with the same comedic tone. Because again, the premise is funny. The idea here are people trying to find a place where they fit in the world, and they end up in the police academy. Um, you know, it's a story as old as time. You know, we all can relate to that. We're trying to find where we fit. Um, yeah, exactly. It's Beauty and the Beast. Um, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> exactly, sir. Let's move into number three. Mike, what is your number three suggested reboot? All right. Uh, Chevy Chase, once he was done with Saturday Night Live, had, uh, well, he had a pretty decent uh, film career, uh, Foul Play and a couple others, uh, Vacation. Uh, but the character I feel really needs to have be rebooted is Fletch. Um, even though it was really, yeah, even though he was really spot on, I, I'm kind of surprised. I thought I read that there was a rumor uh, that Zach Braff was involved, Ooh. who I could totally see yeah. as this character, completely see it. Um, but there, the, the, here's a number as far as sequel, prequel novels with Fletch. There are 11, at Holy least 11. Cow. So there's a lot to Holy. build from. And uh, we know, we all know that Hollywood likes the well-traveled road especially when there's a guide map already written out for them. This is, I am so surprised that there's, that this has not been tapped to be made. Yeah, actually, um, I feel like I heard about a reboot happening, which might be the Zach Braff thing you're talking about. Um, But not that it was greenlit, but that they were trying to do something to it. You know, they were getting it in pre-production. They were working on the idea of it. I watched Fletch for the first time last year, and I really liked it a lot. Um, Yeah, somehow that one had just passed me uh, growing up. But, um, I, dude, I totally could see Zach Braff doing that and being great at it. Um, The only other person that comes to mind, though, is um, John Krasinski. You know, Jim from the office, I could see pulling uh, I could see either of them would definitely fit for sure. Because yeah, he's got that that they both have the wit, you know, like that dry mm-hmm. kind of yep. wit that because um, that's what I loved about Fletch was like he's so snarky at times. And I could see either one of them doing it, um, you know, Braff being a little more uh, ex- expressive with it. And then uh, John Krasinski being less expressive, I think, being more dry. Um, and either way, I could see it being really entertaining. So I, I'm all Chris, for that. Krasinski's definitely got a resemblance to Chevy Chase as it is. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I've seen two of your picks so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm one away. Whoa, winning. Uh, so, I mean, I didn't see Hunt for Red October, but I've seen two of the – I saw both of the Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan movies. So I, I have those. I'm counting that. And then I have seen Fletch. So um, I didn't see Fletch – what is it? Fletch Lives is the second one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never. I haven't seen the second one. I've only seen the first one, but um, I barely remember it, so I would be okay with you know <laughs> counting that. All right, um, and Corey, have you seen Fletch? I've seen bits and pieces, but not no. Ah, okay. <laughs> Any thoughts? And then I'm tired. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like that could be a fun one to remake. I, you know, I kind of forgot about Chevy Chase. I feel like that's horrible, but. Um, I do remember when we were kids that a lot of his movies came out. I don't know. I think it could pull in a new audience. Well, I think the the other thing I really like about uh, the idea for Fletch in today's world is the uh, attack on the media that's happening right now. Oh. Um, that it ties in, like, um, you know, fake news. Like, like calling Fletch fake news <laughs> um, could be a really fun, like, little social commentary built into this existing. Because it was already kind of there. Like, he's a reporter, an investigative reporter. He's kind of a sleaze. 
um, in some ways, yet he gets the story. So that subject being so relevant in today's world, I, I think it would fit even better. So you have a big name, whether it's Braff or uh, John Krasinski, and then you have that that social commentary, but done with like a comedic biting um, element to it. Man, I I think that's a win. Mike, you we might need to get you in contact with an agent. We have some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's go to Corey, number three. Boom, boom, boom. Um, this is another one that uh, definitely failed my expectations. I wasn't expecting it to be great, but I think that Ghost Stories is a horror genre that is definitely um, doesn't get, you know, very good attention. Uh, but we say that about horror all the time. But I think that if someone went and rebooted, <laughs> I'm going to get picked on so hard, Ghost Ship. Da, da, da. Oh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that one could be fun. Um, I just feel like there wasn't enough atmosphere, and they went too much for uh, jump scares. And uh, I know that they uh, was it Julianne Mark Margulies. Yes, um, they didn't have a whole lot of like big name talent in it. But <gasps> um, don't talk about Juliana that way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said not a lot. I said not a lot. Um, I just feel like this could have been made so much more. Again, um, um, I, oh, I was. I saw, I saw this in theaters, guys. I did not. I saw it when I was getting a tattoo done. Um, what? But yeah. Um, Please tell me the Punisher one. The what? Should have gotten. Uh, the... No. Um, I don't. I think it was my tribal one on my right arm. But um, I I remember the scene that I really liked in that movie was when they were, uh, they find food and they're eating like the fruit salad and stuff. And then, um, yeah. it cuts back and it's like maggots and it's disgusting, but you know, the, the ghosts were messing with them essentially. Um, I, I could see this being rebooted cause I, there was good in it. It's not perfect, but I, I enjoyed that movie. Um, well, that's, that's the one that in it, there's that. And did you just mention it with the, like a string or wire that will take it, take out, took out a bunch of people. Yeah. I didn't mention okay. it, but that's interesting too. No, it didn't okay. Happen. Um, sorry. Well, I got distracted because ghost ship and I just sent a link to that group chat I was what I was wanting to, I was in my mind thinking ghost ship was kind of breaking off from this eighties movie called death ship, uh, to George Kennedy. It was still, uh, this concept seemed the same and I thought oh and so I got confused and I was like oh it's not that well never mind that yeah I'm reading the synopsis for Death Ship and also um, I mean like I it doesn't have to be like huge budgeted budget it doesn't need to be perfect I also love the fog and I love like those you know ghost sailing guys too um, I just feel like they really miss the uh, mark yeah, um, and I, I honestly don't remember a lot about it. Like I said, I remember that scene, um, and I remember not hating it um, at the time. I, I don't think I loved it, but I do think I own it. Um, oh. I'm pretty sure it's in my giant stack of movies over here somewhere, but um, it's one that I haven't watched in a long time, but uh, yeah, I didn't hate it. So I could, But a reboot, um, and turning it into a franchise, because that's the other thing. Horror movie franchises are not as common, like... I mean, they're, they're, they still exist. Saw went too many. Um, Grudge tried but failed after number two, I think. And then... They're trying with the Purge. Uh, Purge? But the Purge has gotten better. But uh, maybe losing some of the horror elements as it as it gets better, it's turning more into, um, 
like it's still got horror elements because the idea of the purge is horrific but it's more about the action but like the uh, the second in, in election year they're both way better than the first movie um even if the cast is much less known um but yeah i, I like both of the second the second and the third purge movie but um yeah i think that's a pretty solid pick um my my number three is going to be definitely one of the more controversial ones um but i i think it needs to happen uh we need an indiana jones reboot (gasps) i was just (laughs) talking about this with bill today (laughs) um and it, it didn't need a reboot but they then made crystal skull and now you've tarnished the franchise and you're supposedly making a fifth movie with old harrison ford meaning old indiana jones no let's reboot this um and the first thing I would think with a reboot is don't set it in World War II times where we're going to have Nazis everywhere. I think it, maybe we, we update it to a modern archaeologist and modern professor um, going to find these artifacts. I don't think it needs to be a period piece to be entertaining. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the first three. I'm just saying if we're going to reboot it, let's let's modernize it a little. Let's bring it, even if we bring it into like the 80s instead of like right now, but... Um, I still think there's stuff to explore. There's stuff unknown. Um, Harrison Ford, when he was Indiana Jones in the 80s, was awesome. He was an action star. Um, he had the chops to be a solid dramatic actor as well. And so you brought both to the role. There's some really cool stuff in the Indiana Jones movies. Let's do that again. Let's find that actor. Obviously, when they first um, started talking, this, this is a, a reboot that's been in discussion for a while. Chris Pratt's name came up a lot. And... I could see that. However, I think he's already got enough franchises. So I think we need to move away from Chris Pratt. Um, but find an well, actor. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Ryan Gosling. He'll just be... <laughs> no, just be no he's too old already. <laughs> um, oh, but I no. think you'll like... No, but I think you'll like my pick. See, here's the thing, and maybe this is the curses. With River Phoenix's death, because I think they were grooming him to be oh. able to, you know... And I know they said they had... Because that's... He played young Indiana Jones. And who played uh, in the Indiana Jones Chronicles? I don't know. Sean, I think it was Sean Patrick Flannery. So hmm. obviously you can go. I would say someone like, I don't know, Dane DeHaan. I, I love Dane, but I don't know if he could carry that. I love him, but um, I just don't know. I think he could do it. I think Valerian I mean, would be a good example if he could do it. Well, Valerian's yeah, you could see. Sci-fi, you're, but you're... I think it's, it's the same type of... Uh, adventure movie if he can if he can pull it off with valerian especially um with valerian because valerian's got a lot to 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 yeah there's a lot of writing on it claire delavine delavine as well yeah well nope stop stop see (laughs) wait a minute you're you're shooting it you're shooting it down without even seeing it (laughs) yeah i I want to like it i don't hate oh okay Um, no that's the thing she's I mean, she was, she's not great in Suicide Squad, but I don't blame well, her. No, right. There we go. I mean, she did what she was given, you know, given. And she worked with what she was given. And what was she, wasn't she in Paper Towns? I didn't watch that. She is in Paper Towns. So I don't I, know. She's honestly a small role in Paper Towns, and I think that was intentional. Um, she's a major character, but her on-screen time is minimal. But uh, her scenes are not bad, and she is a model first, actress second. Um but you know right but not to i could see dane the um 
I was also thinking uh, Asa Butterfield um, getting a shot. Uh, he's in Peregrines. Um, he was they they actually had him with Harrison Ford in Ender's Game, which did not do well. Um, but uh, and he's in Hugo um, as a titular character there, and and the space between us, which was not great. But I like him. Um, he was up. He was when they were casting the new Spider-Man. He was on the list of uh, he was on the short list, um, and I could see him playing a role like that. Um, they have to have a, a you have to look like a professor to some degree, right? Like you have to pull that you could be in acad- academia and then also be running around. And somehow Harrison Ford really made that work in the old Indiana Jones movies. Um, Shia LaBeouf. Well, Shatton, he doesn't have that. No, but he wasn't going to be Indiana Jones, right? He no, was gonna be right, right. Um, and if you want to go that route, I was fine with that. I didn't like how they pulled it. I didn't like making him like a, a greaser. Uh, like, oh, we're gonna have the Outsiders Indiana Jones movie. Like, we gotta find the combs. Where are all of our combs at? Like, you know, and that is an issue with archaeology. It, it is a, you know, there's a lot like already found. You know, how much more can we explore of of humankind? But at the same time, it's fiction. You can explore whatever. Just don't go aliens right away. You know, Crystal Skull. That's where it went a little little far. Um, but there's there's tons of things that you could do with Indiana Jones and make it exciting and make it, um, you know, fun and funny. Uh, and again, it's got I think it's got to have a character who can pull off that dry that dry humor because I think that's where it really works because he he's funny without being funny. And same thing with Han Solo. Han Solo is funny, right? But he's funny because he's such a jerk to people. He's not actually like telling jokes and being like you know wisecracking and laughing about it. He's just kind of says what he thinks, and a lot of times we think it's funny because of how dismissive he is of things. You know, um, like I love you. I know that's a jerk thing to say to somebody, but it's funny. You know, <laughs> I don't know. So um, that Indiana Jones is my number three. Um, obviously, it could be very controversial. Some people would like that to never be touched again. I think we need to we need a palate cleanser after Crystal Skull. It was going to happen, but I think with the death of River Phoenix, that's changed and not for the best. Yeah, and it's something that um, you know, there's tons of young actors out there. Maybe some who we didn't think of who I think could fit that that role really well. Um, and yeah, uh, I'd like to see it. I mean, honestly. Um, there are knockoff movies, right? Like that are similar to Indiana Jones. Um, uh, what's the one with the librarian? I think is is uh, yeah. I King Solomon's Mines was another one. Yeah, like um, Firewalker with um, Chuck Norris. And in all honesty, this the this version of the Mummy, Tom Cruise's character is supposed to be kind of Indiana Jones esque, right? Like he's this uh, he's a military guy who actually goes to like cities and goes digging for archaeological things that he can sell so not truly indiana jones because there's no academia but they they tried to have that kind of vibe to the film it didn't work um but they were definitely shooting for that and you could even argue brandon frazier's character in the mummy from 99 yeah definitely has um so there's there's definitely an appeal to that type of character and so let's do it let's get him back let's bring him in you could even start younger i guess if you wanted to but as a fetus Indiana yeah. Jones, uh, I think, was a friendly guy, so he probably sired all those characters. Indiana Jones in the womb. Um, all right. Oh, let's, boy, that sounds weird. Let's move to Mike's number two uh, suggested reboot. Okay. 
Um, I, I'm going with another author's property whose written work has only been minim- minimally touched upon. And that author is Brett Easton Ellis. In this case, I feel that a more faithful treatment of his seminal work, Less Than Zero, would most definitely be welcome. Because uh, even though he's not as prolific a writer as the aforementioned Tom Clancy and even the author of Fletch, I didn't look up his name, uh, there are at least seven novels to work from. Uh, and this is including American Psycho that, that are within Brett Easton Ellis's universe. Um this kind of close examination of disaffected, affluent teens, I think that in our current time seems perfect for exploitation. Although it's my thought that even though it's fiction, people may get this confused with what's being passed as reality TV right now, because we kind of do already see disaffected, affluent teens and adults that act as teens. Uh, but I feel it would be, I don't know, there's something about his writing and the way he had his characters, which it's tough to top. Uh, Andrew McCarthy and Jamie Gertz and Robert Downey Jr. and um, James Spader. Yeah. But I think it would be relevant. That's interesting. Um, I actually, I was when I was thinking, I was considering uh, Breakfast Club for my list. Um, I hope I didn't jump on any of yours. Not that the first one was executed poorly, obviously, but um, I think a modern telling of those same, like, instead of having the social groups that you have in the Breakfast Club, updating that to the more modern so that our today's teens could uh, go to it. So I, this movie, uh, I feel like, falls into that same kind of idea. It's, it's a, a story that's somewhat universal, but an updated version would make it more relatable for a younger audience and, you know, bring that, um, bring those themes into the, the modern world in a way. Well, I like the nods. There have been at least, uh, the most recent power Rangers has that little nod to breakfast club. Definitely. Uh, lemonade mouth on Disney had a similar nod as well as, mm-hmm. uh, unaccompanied minors, very close, but not quite the same. That's, I never saw that, but that's interesting because it definitely has that vibe too. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a there's been tons of nods to it, but you know, um, obviously when you use the title of something, um, you bring uh, there's gonna be like kickback, uh, either negative or positive. A lot of people are gonna be fans of it are usually gonna be upset. Like, how could you remake it? Like the recent Dirty Dancing TV remake, I was immediately like, oh my god. But uh, did you guys see who played Baby in that movie, or in the TV movie? In the, I was gonna say in the movie, I love Jennifer Grey. Don't don't talk, don't put Baby in a corner. No, who, but, who played it on the TV series? I didn't know this until like by weird coincidence the other day. Uh, my wife was watching Princess Diaries uh, two, um, and there's a scene where Anne Hathaway's like walking like in a parade kind of thing, and this little girl's getting picked on, and she goes and grabs the little girl and like brings her into the parade. And I'm looking at this little girl, and I'm like, is that Abigail Breslin? And it is. <gasps> and she was Baby in the Dirty Dancing TV movie. And I was like, oh, my okay, God. I, I didn't like even her. know that. I like her. She's a great actress. I had no clue. I, if, forg- if, I can forgive her a lot. Yeah, If, if I had known she was going to be Baby, I probably would have given it a shot. I dismissed it immediately, being a big fan of the original Dirty Dancing, um, that I didn't even like. I'm like See, so you're, like Cor- you're doing like Corey does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's kind of relevant to this subject because reboots are going to do that. People are going to immediately either dismiss a movie because you're like Ghostbusters last year. There are a lot of people who were mad for the wrong reasons, but there were people like me who were like, do we need to reboot the old movies? Like, or at least 
you know, do we have to erase the old movies and pretend they didn't happen? Why not make this like a reboot slash sequel type thing, you know, where it, yes, these are new characters, but tie in the old characters that they franchised. That to me is still what they missed. Make the old guys, they mentioned franchising Ghostbusters. So why not put this in a different city, which they did, I think, and um, let it be connected to the old characters. And I think it's a better movie. But I think this is a good idea, Mike. What do you think, Corey? Don't even, yeah. Oh. I would even cast Clara Delavine for her. Oh, gosh. You just don't want me to go see your movie suggestions. Jeez. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm going to go see Valerian, guys, okay? Calm down, because I love Dana Hunt. Let's go to Corey's number And two. Zoe Deschanel. I'm going to cast Zoe Gross. Deschanel I'm out. Bye. Um, <laughs> my number two is also another... Guys, they're all horror movies. Ah. Okay. Um, number two is from 2011, also a movie that is, for some reason, well-regarded across uh, horror film fans, but um, it's The Innkeepers. Oh, I like that movie. I hate that movie. Pat Healy is in that from, uh, from Cheap um, Thrills. Yeah, but, well, I'm thinking that I don't like Ty West as a director and okay. or writer. Um, All right, I'm gonna I'm tuning out now because. Yeah. Oh no! Um, I, I just also, brought I just brought up Ty West. Uh, it was that western I that I really enjoyed, and he did. I'm in oh. the middle of watching The Roost. See, I have seen Innkeepers, and I also have seen House of the Devil. Hmm. And maybe maybe horror movies aren't his forte. I don't know about <gasps> other films. I'm sorry. Blasphemer. Sorry. House sorry. of the Devil. Oh. I okay, and also maybe it's the subject matter, but you guys know I love a good ghost story. Um, I don't understand the, the hype behind him as a director. I think that this, I mean, I just think that it needs to be remade. I like the thought that it's in, um, and 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 I know that you like Sarah Paxton too. Yeah, she was also in right? um, Cheap Thrills, I think. And also, I thought that Mike liked Sarah Paxton for some reason. Oh. I, and the Innkeepers, I really enjoyed. I loved the Innkeepers, so. I wanted to. I was so stoked about watching it. And then I just, again, I don't think that he got the atmosphere right. Um, I liked, like, how it ended. Not that I liked that that happened to the character, but that it was kind of, was kind. I felt like it was a little ambivalent, you know? Like, it wasn't like, oh, she was blah, blah. She, I took it the right way. I think that she was scared to death. She had an asthma attack. Um, but I've only seen it once. Maybe I should give it another go. But I just remember it was torture getting through it the first time. And I maybe think that, you should and think about what you've done. Oh my gosh! So now Mike has fired me from Burke Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and you liked House of the Devil, Mike? Yeah, I did. Ugh. And see, in that case, I can understand that that is not my kind of subject matter. Like, the cult things, like, I'm just not really interested. Oh, it's not the man. 70s it, anymore, you know? I don't know. For, it, it got, it, he did for, he did what Richard Linklater did with Days and Confused, but for horror, I felt. He, t- he totally tapped into that made-up scare of Satanists coming. I mean, people were really worried that this was so prevalent and then come to find out, people just made it all up, but this made it feel like maybe there were little subversive pockets of... of and then when you get to the ending and then it, it totally worked all around for me, but 
I was I was alive for that Satan Satanist scare time. So, well, I, the innkeeper definitely one that would upset people. Um, yep, uh, it's, a, it's it's a divisive one. Too I do tonight. remember thinking when I was watching it, it was one of the, it was a movie that I don't remember how I even ended up watching it because I don't generally fall into those type of movies. Um, but I we were watching it. Um, and I remember thinking throughout, like, I'm like, this is really weird. But when it was all said and done, I was like, I kind of enjoyed this movie. And I've, I think I've only seen it mm-hmm. all the way once. And there was, there was definitely some cheesy moments and there was some acting that felt a little, like, laughable. But not from the leads. I thought the leads were really good. And that's, I think, what kept Just me th- That interaction between the two of them and the way they worked it out and the way, you know, it was a cl- hotel closing and... It just fit. There was someone I forget who and I like played. The backstory. Yeah. See, maybe you need to revisit well, it on but, a better time and like a better place. But that makes sense to her reboot request. She doesn't hate the overall idea. She well, just that's true. felt like it it could be done better, and so rebooting it and giving it um, a little more is what she's hoping for. I Not... bet you. I bet you with Clara Delevingne. <laughs> I don't really... know why Mike loves torturing me so, but I get harassed about everything. All right. <laughs> Okay, um, my number two... He so wants to see her character die. I'm wondering <laughs> if you guys are going to get mad at me for my number two. Uh, it oh, is, gosh. It is a movie reboot, but technically it spawned from a, a cartoon that was a TV show. And so I may have cheated on accident, but... Um, <gasps> That's great, because I might have cheated from another one. To be fair, it. though, this also has a graphic novel series... Um, and so there's a lot of room here, and that's the, uh, rebooting The Last Airbender um, from uh, M. Night Shyamalan's uh, 2010 failed failed attempt of adapting this TV series. Um, and I think why he failed is he tried to take a season of a, of a TV series, which is about six hours long, and condense it into a two-hour movie, which means you're going to have a lot of issues. Now, there's a lot of other problems with this movie. There's tons of problems with this movie. But as far as just structurally going, you there's... The, Could have made a trilogy out of it. Yes, just out of the one season. And that's where mm-hmm. it failed. Um, so what I think, though, is we reboot and we don't try to retell a story that's already been told. Meaning we don't try to recreate the TV show into a movie because I think that's where he failed. I think what you do is a live live action adaptation of the character Ong, as he called it, but Ang from the TV series. Anyone who's a fan of the cartoon hates that he called him Ong, um, <laughs> Ang, and you you show him maybe after the show ended. What happens after he uh, you know gets the Fire Nation under control and he balances everything out? He's uh, he's still going to have issues, right? Like, what about older him? Like, what if we see him? approaching his deathbed how does he prepare how does the avatar prepare for the end um those there's so many stories that could be touched and of course because of the 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 premise you could even go back instead of having ang let's go back a couple of avatars and have a movie about one of the other avatars um a previous and then of course that's what i was thinking and then there's this there is a tv uh, series follow-up uh cora which was a i think a few avatars after him um, if I, I, I never caught Korra, honestly. I was a big fan of the first one, and after this movie, I kind of lost my passion for it, so I never bo- bothered to get into Korra, but um, I've heard people love Korra as well. And so there's there's so much flexibility. You have this really awesome world with the, the benders in it, 
there's room for a cool story. You don't need to retell a story that's already out there in another medium. That's where you fail. You need to branch into those sub-stories, um, the stories that haven't been told within the world that people can jump into. And again, if you know the world already, you're more invested. But people who don't know the world can get into the world through this character or this time with the character. Again, whether you're Aang at an older time um, or you are a different avatar altogether, it, there's, there's such a cool world here. I think there's a lot of untapped potential. I think a reboot for The Last Airbender could work if done correctly and probably not by M. Night Shyamalan. So. There, there's a whole world that could have been, and a prequel kind of world could have been done. Yep. There's lots that could have been touched on with this. Yeah. And it, we wanted to like the film and it just, the kids were so yep. disappointed. And we, I mean, I remember going to the theater and just, what is this? I still the, the the people that drive me the craziest are the ones who hate this movie, but the only thing they reference are the way the names are pronounced. Like, like get over that because that's that's minimal with what's wrong with this. They movie. didn't like, they didn't capture the the humor. No, they captured because uh, well because uh, all of that's in the character development, and there is no character development. There wasn't any. Yeah, he jumps to any. a montage, and he does that because he has to. If he's telling because the story, of time. yeah, the story he's trying to tell can't be told in a two-hour period. Not with characters that you love. Not with characters that have developed uh, over time. You can't do that in this movie, and that's why I think that's the problem. Don't try to redo the TV show. The TV show's already there. Use the world that the show introduces and explore it, and I people would flock to it. Um, granted, the word Avatar has been ruined because of James Cameron, uh, so you have to call it something else. But you know. Like, I'd like to see a Firebender avatar. Like, you know, the Firebenders are really interesting. I hate that also he had, he adjusted from the show. That's the other thing. He has this uh, amazing world built, and then he tries to, like, make it his. It's like, dude, chill out. Don't change things that don't need to be changed. Like, uh, flaws. There's so many things wrong. But, obviously, I think both Mike and I are in agreement. This could be a really solid reboot if they don't try to recreate the show. Do something new inside that universe and you have a really cool concept as a movie look what star wars does with their their tv shows like the rebels isn't going to be a movie they're not going to force rebel characters into movies because the fans like the you know those are separate things yes they're all inside the star wars universe but they're their own things and that's it and if they did bring rebel characters they're not going to force an episode of rebels into a movie they're just going to reference something that we know. You know, like, um, I think uh, there, there's a guy in Rogue One that's from Rebels, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I can't think of his name. Um, Forrest Whitaker's character, though, I think is from Rebels. Um, uh, Saw Gerrera? Yeah, I, I think he's from Rebels or he's from Clone Wars or something. He's from He's from one of the other areas, and that was his first introduction as a film character. They didn't, like, force his an episode into the movie. They just brought him in, and if you don't know who he is, that's okay. You don't need to to appreciate his role in Rogue One. But if you did know who he was, it was like, oh, cool, there's an Easter egg, you know? That's what they should do with the, the reboot for Last Airbender, or whatever we call it. First Firebender, I don't care what they call it, you know? Um, that's that. We are at our number ones, guys. Let's get through these. Uh, Mike, what is your number one reboot suggestion? All right. I figure you will be able to get this one, especially once I say the Kevin Smith name and that he tossed oh. around the idea of 
reinvigorating this property. Mm. But unfortunately, it appear, appears to have run afoul of the lawyers. Thanks a lot, entertainment lawyers. <laughs> In any case, W.D. Richter, Richter and Earl MacRoch's The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension is a hugely awaited reboot. Uh, seen as the end of the original tease... And it even says, be on the lookout for Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime yep. League. And it never came. Some of us have been waiting over three decades for our favorite neuroscientist hero to go on further adventures with Team Banzai. Um, I know that there have been comic book uh, adaptations and stories told. There's a slight tie-in with Jack Burton uh, from Break Trouble in Little China. As well as, and I didn't realize this until researching either yesterday or today, the appearance of Team Bonsai within the Battletech universe. Look it up. They ended up phasing that team out for legal reasons. Oh. Yet again. Uh, but the possibilities, could you imagine the totally missed opportunity? They didn't give us the sequel. They didn't, I guess, time warp into the 31st century to uh, be part of one of the Battletech factions. There's so much that could be done, and uh, Peter, I know we just talked about Peter Weller appearing in the sequel uh, for Daddy's Home 2, Peter Peter Weller, and... Uh, you made that joke, but that's not actually who's in it. <laughs> not Peter Weller, John Lithgow. Yeah, Lithgow. John Lithgow, and, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so. um, that's a, a very... I'm surprised I didn't assume that, and of course that does make it... I have seen three of your five, um, so I, I was right. And, uh, yay me. Um, but yeah, uh, it's one that, again, Kevin Smith was going to adapt it to a TV show. It does seem like it has fallen through, um, because of the legal reasons, but yeah, it's a, it's a franchise that it's a cult, it's a cult favorite for sure. Um, it's one that I just saw, but I enjoyed very, very much and I could totally see it being, um, adapted for now. And man, with the today's effects, if they don't, I don't want it to be like overly CG, but some of those effects are kind of cheesy from that time period. Which, Practical effects would fit so perfectly with us. Yes, but you could still do things more than what you could then, and so yeah, it, yes, it would work really, really well. Um, there's the funny guy, man. The names, the John Big Bootay, like those those little things, um, are so funny. And yeah, exploring a little farther, um, getting a new Buckaroo Bonsai could be really cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, and then I'm paying gonna... a nod, paying a nod to the original as well in some way. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I I think that would be great. Um, bring it in, guys. Let's make it happen. Be, uh, Buckaroo Banzai. All right. That's right. That's right. Jung B. Booty. Uh, Corey, you still have not seen uh, Buckaroo Banzai, right? I have not. It is totally a hundred percent. It is a hundred percent. Cara Delevingne and Zoe Deschanel free. <laughs> Great, sold. But it does have the Jeff Goldblum, and he's awesome. <laughs> yes, he is. I'm, I'm a big and fan. And that's so funny you said John Lithgow because he's in. He was in a trailer for one of the ten million movies I saw today. Daddy's oh. Home too. Yeah. Yep. With Mel Gibson uh, getting his big big screen return. Um, he has not been on the screen that's for several right. years. Um, that's crazy. I it's it's some stunt casting if I've ever seen it, but man, I'm I'm intrigued. Because <laughs> um, even like the he he starts to tell a joke to the kids, and it's like two dead prostitutes wash up on the beach, oh, and they're like, oh, um, my. So, yeah. 
I'm like, okay. Oh, my. But when he started telling a joke, I totally was expecting it to be anti-Semitic. So at least they didn't go that route. But Oh, um, all right, uh, let's move into Corey's number number one. What is your number one reboot suggestion? It's a horror movie. Um, it is. It is. <laughs> it's an anthology. It's an anthology. No, it's not an anthology. It's not an anthology. I thought it was enough. Um, I think that this is maybe cheating, and I actually didn't realize until you told me not too long ago, John, that they were making it, um, and maybe it'll be okay. But I'm going with, I feel like I'm cheating, the Amityville Horror Oh, again? I, well, I feel like it needs to be done well this time, Mike. But here's um, the thing. Fine in the seventies. Here, here's the thing, Mike. Uh, two weeks ago on Movie Club, because we do the trailer talk on Movie Club, um, there was a Amityville. I think Awakening was scheduled yep. to come out. Um, and I went to look up the trailer, and the, the only trailer I could find came out a year ago. And so I decided not to bring up the trailer on the episode because I couldn't confirm that it was actually coming out, even though Box Office Mojo had it listed as a release. With that said, I have not heard anything about it. It's not in any theaters around me. Um, so I, I guess it got maybe pushed back again, or maybe it like they're just like, oh, straight to DVD, maybe straight to DVD. I don't know. But yeah, it's, I think it's Amityville, The Awakening, or something like that. It is. Um, and yeah, so oh, did they, did they oversleep in the house and didn't get out in time? Or? <laughs> I'm guessing just, they're referring to it being even like a pre, a pre origin story, like maybe how the house became haunted or something. I don't know. No, but. it, it says a single mother moves her three children into a haunted house, unaware of its bloody, its bloody history. So, oh. and I mean, it has Jennifer Jason Lee in it. So obviously <gasps> mother's character is going to be crazy. I'm sorry, I like her as an actress. I just feel like she's been getting typecast a lot lately. Yeah. Sorry, lady. Um, but I didn't even know about this one until you told me about it a couple weeks ago. And I've said this before, that book is the only book that I can ever remember scaring me ever. Like, And I just feel like so many... In, uh, I don't know. I just feel like someone can do it justice. And I actually picked out a director because I feel like it needs some good atmosphere. And I went with James Wan, y'all. Ah, um, mm-hmm. I could see yeah, that. Totally. Yeah, I feel like he could totally build some good um, atmosphere in this and that he could make it something um, really good. So, well, what's interesting. And I feel like. Was, yeah, go was, ahead. The, uh, what, what's the name of the, the characters from um, The Conjuring? Uh, the, oh. the real people. The, Wal- oh, the Walters, um, the Waltons, the... Nope, I knew <laughs> you asked, I'm sorry. I can't think of their names, but um, they they actually investigated the Amityville house, so he could tie it into the Conjuring franchise if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he so should. It, it could work, just make it a Conjuring movie, and boom, you're, you got it. Um, you know, it could be pretty compelling if done that way. Even if it's not entirely, like, don't make it a Conjuring movie, make it... Um, the Amityville, but then bring the Conjuring in at the end, where like they come to investigate after They're investigating. That uh, would be so rad. Yeah, it would be really cool. Amityville conjuring up box office. Well, to be fair, the the Conjuring <laughs> is the first extended universe horror franchise, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Where you have the Annabelle, you have the Nun coming out, and now they're doing um from the second Conjuring movie, they're spinning off the uh the other character that attacks the little kid, the the big monster with the teeth and the. Kind of Slender Man looking oh. thing. They're the Crooked Man. 
Um, they're doing a spinoff movie of that apparently now too. That I don't think Juan is directing that either. But so like they're making like an extended universe of the Conjuring franchise. So why not let's tie the Amityville into that? Because again, it works with those characters. Why can't I think of the names of the freaking people? They're the Warrens. The Warrens. Warrens. I knew it was a W. Uh, the Warrens. Um, not the Waltons. That's a very different uh, franchise. Um, Night, John Boy. <laughs> I I love you too, John Boy. Don't kill anybody in your sleep. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Um, you know, do the Amityville right, but then tie it into that. Let Juan direct it. Um, <laughs> it could be a really cool, uh, cool little tie. Awesome. So this was the scariest book you read? Yeah, that I can. I read it. I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but I was 19, and I legit would like get goosebumps, and I lost a little sleep over it, guys. See, that was that was Pet Cemetery for me, which now now I feel should be on my honorable mentions, but. Ah. If Zoe Deschanel has a biography, I'm totally mailing that to you. <laughs> it's Corey's scariest book. It's the <laughs> new scariest it's book. It's and then her life, yeah. Clara Delevingne and Zoe Deschanel, why we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and throw in Elizabeth Olsen for good oh, measure, man. please. Oh, the, tr- the trifecta. Two's company, but three's a crowd. That's the name of the book. She 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 doesn't realize she's providing me more ammo, but this is good. This is good. It doesn't matter what I say. You're gonna find me. What is what is wrong? What is wrong with my acting? What's weird though, the book that Corey read of Amityville was the uh, a steelbook copy, which I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) All right, let's get into my number one and the best pick. Uh, This was such an easy pick for me. It was immediately my number one without any other movies on the list yet. I knew this was my number one because it's a it's a book series that was already a movie that they did so poorly. And it's a book series that I love. And it is a teen fiction book. It's a book that I came across when I started teaching middle school. Um, We had a book fair and we had this commercial that ran with our morning show that was like, you know, plugging the book fair. And it talked of this book that uh, integrated Greek mythology into modern day. And that was the Percy Jackson series. And it was only on the second book at the time. They were pushing the Sea of Monsters. Um, and it sounded really interesting. And I went to go buy the Sea of Monsters, found out that it was a series. And so I bought The Lightning Thief, which was the first book. Um, and then I read that and was I loved it. I, in fact, before Percy Jackson, I had no interest in the Harry Potter books. I had never read them. I hadn't seen any of the movies. I had zero interest. And it was only after reading the Percy Jackson series and running out of books that I decided to give Harry Potter a chance and fell in love with that universe too. Um, so to me, Percy Jackson means a lot because it not only is one nerdum that I have, but it introduced me to another one that I am now a huge fan of and proud to say my daughter bought a Hogwarts t-shirt today. So I'm doing some things, right? Well and done, Dad. The Percy Jackson movie is one of my biggest disappointments for so many reasons. It has a good cast. There's good people in it. And the first movie deviates so far from the source material. Um, One, just with the cast. Because Percy's supposed to be like 12 when he first finds out that he is a demigod. And this Percy is 16. um, Easily. If not older. (laughs) And it just does so many things wrong. First... The, the movie, it clearly didn't have faith that it could be a franchise because they negated everything that set up the rest of the series. And it was it felt very much like this was going to be a one-of. And then they had to retro-fix that when they made the second one. 
and they tried real hard in the second one to 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 fix things from that they messed up in the first one, but they had buried themselves so far in a hole that they just couldn't recover. And so both movies, if you've read the books especially, are really really bad. Now, I've heard I've had some people say that they like the movie if they haven't read the book, but even then there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of plotting problems. There's some it, it it's it doesn't really quite get the tone and it doesn't let you really feel the impact that the world has. Um, it moves a little too fast at times and it, it, it just plows through the plot. Um, and it ends up feeling like kind of a cheesy road story. And there is, it's a, the first movie is a road, a road trip movie, but I really think Percy Jackson needs to be rebooted. What I would like is let's wait a little while. And I want a uh, little Jason Tremblay, uh, Jason, Jason, Jacob Tremblay, from Room and most recently uh, Book of Henry. Let him age a little bit. Let him get up into that middle school age and let him be Percy because we need a quality actor here. Now, there might be some other actors who are good. Let's go for it. But want, I want the age right. Like, we got Tom Holland, who's a high school kid, playing a high school kid. I love that. Let's get more of that. You know, there are good kid actors out there. Um, and let's tell the story right. Let's keep it what the book is because the book is good. The book has five books in the series. It then spawned a better series that actually, like, the writing got better. The characters are better. Um, I think will be much harder to adapt into a movie because they are so much longer. Um, but I think that you have five really good movies ready to be made if they're done correctly. And the first two were not. So let's try again. Reboot Percy Jackson and the uh, the Olympians, the Lightning Thief, and then let's hit all four of the other books. Um, done correctly, not skipping out things. Yes, you have to trim some. Anytime you adapt a book to a movie, you have to trim some, for sure. But don't deviate so far from the essence of what makes these stories great that you lose the point. So um, that's my, my claim. Um, and I do want to point out, Pierce Bronson was also in it. Um, and Logan Lerman, who is a good actor, but just didn't work, uh, doesn't work. They do so many things just so wrong. Um, have either of you seen Percy Jackson? Yeah, actually, just recently, John decided he wanted to watch it, so we popped that one in. I and, think Sea of Monsters. We didn't watch the first one again. Oh, oh Pierce Brosnan isn't on there. No, he's Anthony not. Anthony Stewart Head, I think. Yep, they lost Pierce Bronson in the sequel. <laughs> um, had you read the books? Nope. Ah, and what did you think? Fair. Uh, I like, see, my affinity for it is thinking at least it's getting some of what's lost as far as we don't get to teach mythology. Yeah, which is a travesty. It's a shame. It is a shame because some of those, I mean, they're dark, Mm -hmm. but, you know, some of of the stuff is amazing. When I taught ninth grade English, I taught the Odyssey, and I used Percy Jackson. um, I actually uh, brought Percy Jackson to... Eighth grade, I, I, I taught it for one year, and then I brought Percy Jackson to ninth grade, which was reaching a little bit. The book's Lexile level is a little low, but it's still a relatable story because you have a kid who is has you know, doesn't fit into school. He has ADD, he has dyslexia, so he's just and he's a, he's in these you know trouble schools. He's in and out of schools all the time because of trouble, and it's something that a lot of kids can relate to. And then you find out that the reason isn't because you suck. The reason is because you're you're something better. And it's that that idea of hope is so compelling to me. And they just I, I feel like they really missed that. They just kind of like shoehorn in exposition like, oh, I have ADD. It's like, yes. OK, great. 
Um, it's more than that, though. It's it's more about the feeling that this kid thinks he's a failure and that he's no good. He believes that, only to find out that he's the son of Poseidon. Like that's that's a story that can be so compelling if done well, and it it's just not. Again, there are cool Greek mythology moments even in the movies for sure, but they they don't they don't do the books justice. And I think that's my point. While the movies might be fine, they could be great. They could be Harry Potter level great. And they're they're not. Yeah. Your mentioning of Harry Potter got me to thinking about J.K. Rowling. I know she had Fantastic Beasts, but yeah. there's, for example, the Peruvian Hogwarts. I don't know the name of it. I don't either. But I don't I know know the other Hogwarts. Wizarding School. Yeah, those aren't even touched on in you know Peruvian because my ancestry is from there. That just kind of like ooh, that would be some you know talk about unexplored avenues or stories. There, yeah, right there is one. Yeah, and or I honestly, when I was making this list, I had Fantastic Beast down at one point because I don't think that's the movie I wanted to see. Like, you're just redoing the same story arcs that you did with Harry, except now it's Nicholas Scalamander or whatever, or it's going to be Dumbledore fighting his bad guy. Okay, I wanted to see the dude hunting down animals. Like, I wanted an Indiana Jones in the magic world. That's what I wanted. Give me that movie. I'm all for it, but that's not on my list. Um, let's get into honorable mentions. Uh, Mike, what do you have? I my first one on the list because I I wish they would do the rest of the books. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I thought that might be on your uh, list. Uh, yeah, I I debated on including it on my main, but I I bumped it down because I included uh, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai in the eighth dimension. I I sent Big Trouble in Little China down on my list. The thing, as much as I love the original, and there's nothing they. I think a lot of producer interference really messed up what they had tried to do. So I, I know that there could be other thing stories. Um, Wild Wild West, because Ooh. of I, I, because I loved the series so much that my childhood died watching oh, that okay. adaptation. Okay. Uh, I grew up with James Conrad, and there was no I don't even recall any nod to him, and mm. that well. It just—it was a travesty. Interesting. Uh, and and Kevin Smith has his own take on it. And we just talked about that. And the last one, this is a, an odd one, Wing Commander, because that was a huge video game series, and Matthew yeah. Lillard just didn't do it. No. no. Sorry, buddy. Wasn't very good. Um, no. All right, Corey. Do you have any honorable mentions? Just one. Also based off of a favorite book of mine. Um, well, this one was a favorite, but Where the Wild Things Are. Oh. <laughs> I really did not enjoy that movie. Uh, we tried as well. It was written a lot darker than what we expected. I've owned that movie for a while, and I've never watched it. Um, I just, it's I, okay. I have minimal Super interest sad. in watching it. Um, I don't know. I, I remember the book as a I Actually, I don't remember the book. I know I read the book as a kid, but I don't remember it other than like, oh, yeah. I remember that book, but I don't remember the plot. I have no, like, attachment to it, so I'm really not drawn to the movie at all. I feel like they maybe put too much whatever into having, like, high-profile... I mean, they had, like, James Gandolfini, and I'm forgetting who else in it, uh, but... Too yeah, much he, was the mobster, he was the mobster mo monster. <laughs> yeah, I... Aww, but uh, I just feel like that could have been way better than it was. All right, all right. I have a few, but I won't go into all of them, but 
Um, one is I have to give some specification. Uh, I think we reboot the Matrix, but not the first one. The first one happened. We get rid of the second two, and we go a different direction. Maybe it's um, Neo one, and now we're in like in the future, or maybe Neo thought he won, but you know they just rebooted the Matrix again, and so we have a new one. So another person being the one. Uh, as, instead of it being Keanu Reeves. But weren't there seven previous incarnations? It, well, exactly. Okay, so maybe we go, you know, earlier too. We could go prequel, but I think there was there's story to explore there, and they the way they the Wachowskis explored it in the second and third movie was disappointing, and so I think we we could go a different direction with that world. Um, uh, Aragon, which and is, include and include the vampires and werewolves. Yes. Um, Aragon is a really cool book series um, written by a young author. If I remember correctly, he was only 16 when he wrote Aragon, um, which is a really thick, crazy book. And he has four, if I remember correctly. Um, The movie does not do the book justice. Now, I saw the movie first and then read the book and realized why so many people hated the movie. Um, I didn't hate the movie when I watched it the first time, although it's definitely got cheesy moments and bad acting and stuff. I still found enjoyment in it. But, man, what the book has versus the movie is so much better. And so I would love to see that franchise get um, a bigger budget uh, fantasy production, even maybe to the level of, like, a Lord of the Rings um, where it's you're, you're going epic. It's a big book. It's a thick book, and it's a rich world that he creates. Now, I did lose – I didn't read the fourth book, so maybe the books fall apart after that. Um, but I enjoyed the first three. So I'd like to see that being brought into the franchise that it could have been. Um, real quick with the rest, AVP, Alien vs. Predator. I want to see the aliens fight the Predators. That's it. I don't want freaking people in this movie. Just the monsters. Monster fight. That's what I want. Don't give me anything else. Um, Underworld. Again, I think the same thing. Keep the first one. Wipe the rest. Or start from scratch. It's a really cool idea, and essentially it's what Mike just requested. It's the Matrix with werewolves and vampires. You know? There you go. It's cool. It was an interesting concept. I think they jumped the, the rail a while ago, and their last movie's box office proves me right. Um, and this one could be very controversial, but I think we need to reboot Terminator. I think we need to recreate that first movie, um, you know, get it back to a serious kind of sci-fi horror movie um, and and establish the tone again. They tried to do a, a time travel reboot with Genesis. It didn't it, work. It um, didn't work. And so I think you just go fresh. Now, obviously, Arnold might be upset about the idea of him not being a Terminator. But I think you reboot it. You get that tone back that Cameron established with the first film. Um, and then you stick with that. Um, don't don't deviate from it. it. It should always feel like dread. You should feel a hopelessness and you should feel a dread. And maybe as time goes on with the franchise, you start to have hope because it looks like we can win. But there should always be a feeling of impending dread. Like, any misstep could cost us everything. Um, Because that's the tone that the first movie had. Like, if anything goes wrong with Sarah Connor, this normal woman, if if she doesn't do everything perfect, if she, you know, is a step slow or if she's off, everything that we have to hope for is gone. And it's such a cool concept. And it's uh, with with today's technology, too, um, you can make the robot look just as cool, if not cooler. Um, you know, I think it's it's such an interesting premise. A reboot would work. That's my honorable mentions. Um, 
we would love to hear what you think. We know this list is controversial. We know you may not even want any of these to be rebooted. So tell us if you hate what we said. Tell us what we missed. Is there a franchise that really needs to be rebooted? I tried to stay away from comic book movies because um, those are getting rebooted too much. Like there's talk of a Blade reboot happening right now. Daredevil was rebooted to a TV series. Um, Fantastic Four is again, there's in talks of another reboot. Um, you know, the, the comic book, there's so much to pull from from comic books that those will always be on the reboot block, so to speak. But we were looking elsewhere. We looked in other directions. Corey went for uh, horror movies that she wishes were better. Um, Mike pulled some really cool stuff, and I think I pulled some really cool stuff as well. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey is? At Corey R Star, two R's at the end. And Mike? At Server Monkey, and anything tagged with Cara Delevingne and... Uh... Oh, so Jessica and Elizabeth Olsen. Hashtag Zoe. Elizabeth Olsen. Hashtag Zoe Clara Elizabeth. BFFF. The trifecta. The trifecta. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you for your time. Uh, we'll be back next week with another top five. Um, until then. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are.